Why, hello there, and welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your hosts, Justin and Kayla. And this week, we are going into The Last of Us first season, which was phenomenal, and the return of The Mandalorian, Kayla. That's right, Justin. Uh, The Last of Us has ended. We have a couple episodes to catch up on here on the pod, but man, phenomenal is a great word and is the correct word because so much happened. And I just, I think we should just get right into it because it is the last of us talking about this show, you know? Wow, Kayla, what a wordsmith you are there, huh? You know, I'm feeling great on a, on a Thursday afternoon, you know? So let's, let's pick up where we last left off, which is episode six of the last of us. And basically this is where we get to meet Tommy, Maria. We get to see, um, you know, where they're living, what's been going on. Joel shares some some worries. And then you have that epic ending where he gets hurt by the baseball shard and Ellie, you know, has to take care of business. And that was quite a dramatic end. Game differences in this episode. So Marie isn't pregnant in the game and Ellie actually runs away. So when she when she catches sight that like Joel's dumping her on to Tommy. She leaves and then Tommy and Joel have to kind of come find her, kind of battle their way through typical video game stuff. And then they have that fight, which I think was a little more dramatic and interesting in the game versus the show. I think you had seen what the game had. I think you agreed. Um, 100%. The game, it just felt more real and authentic than what we saw in the show. But also, you know, kind of watching it side by side, it's tough to live up to what appears to be such a monumental moment in the game to try to get the actors to recreate that in real time is it's a tough task. And Pedro Pascal, I think crushed it. Bella Ramsey. I wasn't really buying though. You know, it's listen, it's a hard moment. And you know, in the game, you're going through so much as Joel that you feel like you really see this trajectory of their relationship. I just feel like with nine episodes, it's a very tall ask to develop two people who are kind of angry at each other, don't don't know each other, you know, to the, to where they end up in the finale. It's it's it is kind, even with our episodes, some of them are even shorter, which is just kind of mind boggling to me. So I mean. I, I hear you, especially as a game player, you know, got shorted. And of course, in the game, Joel doesn't get shivved. He gets uh, impaled by a rebar. So, you know, he got maybe a nicer stabbing. I don't know. I, getting impaled isn't great, got to say. Haven't done it myself. Hope not to. Run but I, I probably would, you know, zero out of 10 stars, I'm thinking. I wouldn't recommend. Um, I really loved. So this is different from the game. I really love the Maria Ellie moments. Because Maria, like, just was able to get Ellie, like, understood Ellie's sarcasm, assholery as, like, her just being this kid survivor and just, like, went with it. Like, no matter what she was saying, she wasn't getting offended and she was still treating her like a kid and someone who, like, could kind of hold her own. I just... I love that because you're so used to like adults being like, just be a kid, you know, even Joel to Ellie. And so I really appreciate Maria knowing nothing about Ellie and just like understanding her, you know? Yeah, I completely hear you. And I imagine we're going to get more of her and Tommy in season two, because honestly, going in kind of blind to season one, I anticipated there to be a lot more Tommy than a few minutes in episode one, and then a few minutes in episode six. And that's pretty much 
all we got of Tommy from what I remember. Maybe like the last couple seconds of episode five. I, I can't remember how that ended, but just them getting to this perfect place, right? Jackson is all set up. It's gorgeous. They have their own community. They're growing their own f- food. It's safe. And they've been there for years. And then they they make the decision to get up and skedaddle out of there, which obviously is needed for the game and for the TV show. But if you're in that type of situation, you're Ellie, you're traveling with Joel all the way across the country. You finally get there. What do you do? Do you ask to stay? Do you want to keep moving? Like, like where would your mindset be? So in the game, Jack, like Jackson is like get is its own place, but it's nowhere near how you see it now. Like it's very industrial. It's very like we're getting we have the electricity, but sometimes it breaks down. Like it's not somewhere where you're like, oh, this is gonna be a great place forever. This version of Jackson is actually more like Jackson in the future in the second game. So if I was in this where they're like watching movies. They're, you know, like it's a whole community. I'd be like, mm, a cure. Uh, we don't, we don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, maybe we could just like spend a couple months, you know, eat a bit, you know, like, I don't know. It'd be very hard for me. I'd be like, see you later. Forget the care. We're good. Well, you, you wouldn't have made it, Kayla. Let's be real. Don't look uh, for me. Don't look <laughs> for me. But I, I think it's a good point. There's no way I leave the next day. I 100% am like, can we relax for like a week, get our bearings, get some food? Like they're scarfing down food like they haven't eaten in weeks. Maybe relax for a minute before you go try to save the world again, where you know there have been raiders and animals and the the mushroom freaking zombie folks all over the place. Get away from that for a few days at least. It was just baffling to me. They're like, no, no, we got to get up first thing and move. There's no deadline. It's not like they're going to get out of there if you don't show up by noon the next day. I mean, we do eventually find out that they weren't there, but that was for other reasons, I imagine. So just, uh, I think it was really needed to show that Joel is choosing Ellie, right? She is no longer, what do you, what do you say in the earlier episode? You're just cargo. At this point, he cares for her and wants the best for her which is why he is pushing his brother, Tommy, who's a little younger, a little bit more spry. He's not, you know, aching with the knees every time he walks up a flight of stairs to help her out. And the growth you've seen from Ellie is, hey, I start started to trust you now. I know I can't do this by myself, and I'd rather be with somebody I trust than somebody I don't know. So it was a very touching, nice moment in that episode, the way it kind of unfolded to move us towards the last three. I mean, you have, I think two of the most emotional, and I would say the finale brought a lot of it too, is Joel breaking down to Tommy that he cares about Ellie when admitting it, whether or not to Ellie, but at least to Tommy, and that he just can't sleep in his anxiety, his fear, he's having these panic attacks that he can't save her like he couldn't save Sarah. And then you have Ellie, first of all, realizing you know, being told by Maria about Sarah and for her, it just clicks. I mean, she's, she's having this guy, this animosity towards her for so long that she just has to keep working at working at for a nice comment for once. And for her, it just makes total sense. It completely rewrites. Oh, at the same time, it's like, I understand him now, like why he treats me the way he's been treating me. And 
this was a really good episode but yeah hell no i'd be like forget the fireflies like i think obviously the propeller is like people have died to get them to this point and i think that's definitely weighs on ellie the most over joel um surprisingly but yeah this was a great episode i just you know you just want them to be happy for a little bit you're like oh god and then it ends with joel getting hurt and ellie trying to you know go off with him and it's like she's begging him as he's like bleeding out in the snow and you're like good god i don't know about this joel you might you might be a goner well that's pretty much where she she really grew up right because she had to take the reins she had to protect joel care for him try to find a way to keep him safe and get him healthy at some point which kind of leads us into well episode seven and a episode seven we basically find them i guess the next day maybe a couple days later Joel is laid out in what appears to be the basement of a house and Ellie's, you know, uh, breaking off the last piece of jerky they have. So she's got to find, find a way to keep getting food for them. And then, it, then there's a flashback, right? Am I combining episode seven? You, and eight? You're they combining both kind of a melt. little bit. Yeah. You're combining it. So in seven, Ellie, you know, dra- it slides him to this garage and mm-hmm. then is at the door and he's like, leave, leave, like go to Jackson. And she has a moment where she's like thinking and then it, it's kind of Ellie's backstory. And then yeah. she, at the end, she returns back to, to go back to him. She's not going to leave him. And this is Ellie's backstory moment. I mean, this was pretty true to the game in the game this is like a side story and in fact when you if you were to play the side story first it would say no we recommend playing the main game first because you you kind of want to meet ellie as joel's getting to know her which is not knowing where she came from and also you in the game you bounce between the scenes with riley and in the game joel Joel essentially gets dragged to this abandoned mall and Ellie's like fighting her way through the mall to get him supplies. So it's like a jumping between her backstory and the current. Um, it, it was really well done. The actress that plays Riley, I think is in euphoria that you, you enjoy as a sister of Rue. Yep. 100%. I believe. Yep. Yeah. She's so great. Great. Great casting there. Um, it made me sad. I mean, it's just, you know, in, in the previous episode in six, you have Ellie going, everyone I've ever known or love like has died um, or left or me. left her. Yeah. And, and in some ways, Riley is both. So, um, you know, she leaves her and then, you know, she dies and it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, the finale, I think tied a little more into that. Cause it answered some questions I had, which I think we said in our last of who episode, I was like, we don't really know what happened because in the game, it, you don't know that Riley is sent from the Fireflies to be in that mall. She just goes to the mall. So I'm like, so when everything happened, because they get bit together, right? And Ellie obviously doesn't get sick and Riley does. And I was like, so we don't know what happened. We were like, I was like, well, she probably had to kill her. Probably Riley realized she's getting sick and Ellie's not. And Ellie had to make a choice. But then because we knew she had to meet the Fireflies, we were like, maybe not. Maybe they come the next day. And the finale did tell us that Ellie had to kill her, essentially. So that's what happened. And I don't know. Did it make you understand Ellie more watching what happened to her? Yeah, I think it was this episode was placed well in uh, this spot in the series to give you more context from her. And what you said in the game where they don't want you to play that portion before you actually get some more, you know, FaceTime with Ellie and Joel 
makes total sense because she's a bit of a mystery. You know that she's lost some people. You know she's hiding something about how she was found in the mall. So you assume she was with somebody else that either died or she had to kill. But, you know, you realize that this is her best friend and somebody she she loved, she cared for. So to get into her mindset of, I had to be the person that killed her just to end her suffering and also for me to continue to survive. That's something really difficult for what she's supposed to be 14, 15 year, years old at this point to just take in and keep pushing forward. And that's why, yep. in my opinion, why you see her, she just kind of pushes, okay, something bad happens. Okay. I'm pushing that out. I'm not thinking about it. We're pushing it down, not never talking about it again. And I'm moving forward to the future because if I think about the past, she's just going to be so distraught that she won't be able to move on. No, absolutely. And, you know, when you play the first game, you don't know ever at any point what happened to Ellie and how she got bit. So it's kind of like a treat. You get to play a game realizing what happened. And of course, for me, it was utterly delightful to find out that her best friend slash crush um, of Riley. So I go, Oh, okay, Ellie, I think I like you a little more now. Um, but the show had way more of a like interesting where they're just, they have their first kiss. There's like this feeling of like, we're just going to take on the world. We're going to go our own way. Like I'm not going to go back to the fireflies on Riley's side and Ellie's not going to go back to the school. They're going to figure it out together. And it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's scary. And then they barely wait seconds for this attack and from the infected and this bite. And Ellie goes from euphoria to just like utter devastation. And it's just, you know, it's, they played it really well. Like just this innocent young kind of like what's going to happen to just like my whole life is over. At that point, they both, they're going to die. I mean, at 14, holy hell so good and it it tells you why she holds the things that she keeps in her pack so dearly right because there's a connection to either we find out later her mother a connection to riley to her time in the fedra school so she just has has a lot she's trying to deal with without really somebody to talk to about it and the first uh you know six episodes of this show joel didn't really want to hear about it either He starts warming up uh, around episode six, seven timeline. But before that, Ellie just felt like she was, like Joel said, cargo and just an appendix that is going along for the ride. All right. So maybe this is an unanswerable question and my mind is too much in the gutter. But say, let's age him up. Say it's you and your crush. Say it's Chit. You're not married. All that you see her. And, uh, you know, you're, you're 16, 17. Um, and you, you don't know how long it's going to be before you're sweating and looking gross. Are you, you know, you've shared the attraction. Are you going like, we got a couple days. Are we, are we, you know, just say it, Kayla. What are you trying to say? Are we getting it on? You know what I mean? I'm like, man, you, you have so many things you can't answer. I mean, it's not the great moment. You know, your death is on the horizon. You're going to start looking gross. I mean, do you just want to cross something off your list? I don't know. I think a hundred percent. Yeah, I think you're it's like, like mm, let's just how get long it done. do we have? Do we have uh, you know, let's yep. just do as much as we can in these last I don't know how long it takes. I guess it depends on where you're bitten. Ten minutes to two hours, whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, you go it's all It's probably in. gonna be quick. You're young. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I'm just thinking about like you gotta do it soon because you're not gonna be looking great later. 
Uh, but it's hard to go from death to, to that. But, you know, just there's things I think about anyways as, as we review the show. Yeah, that's um, uh, not something I had considered, Kayla. So thanks for throwing oh, that out It there. was for <laughs> me. It was like, oh, you know, you, know, you don't know how long you got. Um, okay. This episode, obviously, Ellie decides to painfully grab a sewing needle and bring it back to Joel to sew him up. Not great. Um, which leads us right into episode nine, which is episode eight. Oh, episode eight, excuse me, where um, Ellie basically has to hunt for food because Joel's getting sick, infected. She sees David and finds out he's like part of a cult, tries to bring Ellie as his like child bride with him. And there's a, a lot of dramatic moments, some scary moments. And essentially, she has to fight her way through as Joel fights his way to her and ends in her killing brutally. David with the hatchet um, and Joel, you know, finding her. And he says a moment you love in the game. He called Sarah, his baby girl. And it's the first time he's kind of holding Ellie. And he's just like, it's okay, baby girl. And I just was like, Joel, oh, this was the, mo- this was, you're my kid now. Like in the game, this is where I thought Ellie was his kid. And this is where I saw it in the show. What did you think about this episode? This episode was a lot. This is Ellie just, uh, Hey, I can be ruthless if I need to. And she taps into that kind of that other side of herself that she doesn't realize she has, I don't think, but is absolutely necessary to survive here, which is something we see with Joel also in this episode, because I don't know about you, but I don't think you just jab him right in the wound to uh, put the insulin in. That's got to hurt. But apparently that's a miracle drug drug and uh, Joel is able to get up after a few minutes. So when she is in this spot, the way they frame the episode, I thought was super interesting because it's kind of cutting back and forth between Joel and Ellie to give you the perception of, hey, maybe Joel is going to save her. Joel's going to get there just in time to save her. This is going to be great. But then it pivots and she saves herself, which I think is so powerful in telling the story that, hey, she likes to be with Joel. She needs him. He needs her. But she can do this shit herself, too, if she needs to. She can pull out that damn hatchet and start whacking away. And she is so, so terrified, especially at the end where, what's his name, David, is basically trying to rape her in the burning building. And she's like, not today, motherfucker. Like, I'm taking you out and I'm going to hit you a hundred more times. And then when she leaves and he sees her, I think you you have that moment where you said from Joel, he's like, this is my daughter. I'm here to protect you. From her perspective, hey, this is somebody that didn't leave, that didn't die. When I left him, he was down and out. I gave him a knife and said, figure it out if somebody shows up. But he fought his way out of that to come find me. So that level of trust just uh, you know, went up tenfold at that moment. Oh my God. I love what you just said. I think that's, that's, that's great. That's great. It's exactly that. It's like this, first of all, shock of the brutal murder that she did though. Well-deserved. And yeah, just here's the guy that fought his way to me that, that I thought was done. That was going to be another one that left me or so right. That's that moment. Joel's just like, it's me and you kid. Like it's me and you. I, um, actually your perspective helped me a lot because as I said on our Instagram live after I really struggled with this one in particular because I felt like it most deviated from the game 
and I felt like it limited Ellie's kind of badassery in that in the game she when she gets on the horse she actually makes it out of that town and they follow her and then she kind of like fights her way through a couple areas and ends with David. Um, I understand why you can't have real life Ellie kill like 30 guys and make that make sense. Um, but at least like have her get a couple or at least like the poor horse didn't really make it too far, you know, brutal. Um, but other than that, like seeing it through your eyes and I think taking that element out, I totally appreciated just how far Ellie's come, how far Joel has literally. But I gotta say, a lot of people have been talking about Joel's like superhuman ability to basically recover from like the two jabs Ellie gave him in the game. You feel like there's been a couple weeks or months. Like you don't, you know, it hasn't been yesterday. So like you can presumably go Joel's had like two months to heal in the show. It's like two days. So I can't really explain how he went. Yeah. He went like the undertaker from WWE and just fucking rose from the dead. I don't know, but that's what we need. And, and with that being said, is Joel basically John Wick or Liam Neeson? Like, is, is he up there with those guys? Pretty much. It's funny because he references that he's had to kill people in the past. He's kind of aging at this point. But that penultimate episode, episode eight, he really starts tapping back into like that primal behavior where he's just like, I need to survive. And I don't have time to waste and ask questions. I'm killing dudes. I'm I'm sticking knives in your bloody mouth and saying, point it out on a map and then killing you right after anyway, because I don't give a shit. I'm getting to this girl and I'm going to do my best to save her. And that just unlocks something in him because you see the last episode too, that connection with Ellie is so strong. He just flies off the handle and nobody's fucking him. But I will say those dudes were weak in that little community. They couldn't find any any food, any deer. Ellie goes out there for five minutes, finds a deer, shoots it dead. They've been looking for food for weeks and they haven't been able to kill anything. I don't think they're the biggest, you know, marksmen or mercenaries that they really need to worry about out there, you know? So I think that was much easier for Joel than what we saw in episode nine. I mean, it was that, that scene and in the gameplay is so because you're playing as Ellie and it's, Ellie doesn't have the skills that Joel has. So you're having to be more tricky with your ammo. You have, you have like two weapons. And a lot of times as Ellie, you just have to kind of like run, you know, like sneak your way past things. But the um, David scene where he's in the restaurant, when you're playing that in the game, like he's, trying to find you and like he can hear you and you have to like and there's all these broken items in the restaurant so it's like you trying to like not step on something that makes noise because he like basically a serial killer it's like a, it's like the horror element of the game really um and i thought it was really well done the, the guy who played david was phenomenal i mean he's a monster and adding the cult religion story which is new gives it total more interesting depth especially as someone who uses religion as a weapon because he says at the end like yeah i don't actually believe this shit but this is the way that people follow me um you know and i just thought it was so well done and i i just was broken for poor ellie it really made me go oh god we're we're nearing the end well that's one of the first times she sees really how far humanity has fallen joel has mentioned hey the people are what you really need to worry about and she sees it a little bit with kathleen and st louis but not quite like this level of, you know, it's cannibalism and him using religion in order to just control people. And once she sees that, I think she starts to understand the real like horrors that are out here. And like you said, him kind of having that religious aspect to things, 
in my opinion, is pretty interesting because the way they've shown the big bad so far in this uh, in the show, we have Fedra, obviously, that that's its own thing. But Kathleen, not the typical person that you would think is running a city. David, not the typical, you know, kind of Jack guy, like a, like a Bill type who would be running this community, but they have found ways to manipulate the people around them. And it's not just about who's the biggest and strongest, but who can get other people to bend to their will. Yeah, wisely said. And, you know, David, just just a tip for you. If you're trying to get someone to be on your side, maybe like when she's passed out from you knocking her out, you just maybe clean up the floor a little bit. Maybe notice the bits of fingers or ear on the ground, you know, maybe maybe lead into that a little later. Um, you Always know, pick up can- the ear after you're done cutting up somebody's human flesh. Just a suggestion. Dinner. It was yeah. a rookie cannibal move is all I'm saying. I would have never done it. So, you know, you just got to pick up the ears when they're done. Okay. That's cartilage. Okay. Useful. Rude. Um, yeah, just is so well done and uh just a hard episode to get through just in terms of David's evilness and what Ellie has to go through. And obviously that leads right into uh episode nine, the finale. Ooh, which ooh, was what a finale it was. I, I can't even believe they didn't have this be an hour and that and what they were able to fill in to what happened. So we're introduced to Anna, Ellie's mom. So we get a little story there about how Anna and Marlene from the previous episodes were best friends from childhood pre pre um, outbreak. And unfortunately she gets bit while giving birth to Ellie. And Anna basically says like, take care of, kill me and take Ellie and keep her safe. We know Marlene puts her in the school. So in this version, she has no real dynamic with Ellie. I don't even know that. I don't think in the show, Ellie even knows Marlene. Um, as a figure because she goes who's Marlene um, versus in the game I think she knows Marlene and that she was friends with her mom but they're just you know like she still goes to the prep school so but she but she knows you know the relationship there so and to of me, course uh, tell me if I'm wrong here but to me yeah. it seems like Ellie doesn't really know anything about her mother or that her mother really cared for her and gave her up like as her dying breath like it seems like that is all hidden from her. Is that the same in, in the games too? So in the games, like when Joel and Tess meet Marlene and they show him Ellie, like Ellie is, um, you know, Ellie's like Marlene, like they have some sort of dynamic, but really the key to it is in the um, second game with the Riley Ellie story, because when Riley says that she goes to the fireflies and they're talking, Ellie asks her like, did Marlene ever talk about my mom? Like, what did she say? So, so you know that Ellie knows Marlene knew her mom and that she, her mom was in the fireflies, okay. but that's pretty that much it. Sense. There's no, no other stuff. Um, and then also in the show, Joel and Ellie, you know, are looking for the fireflies in the school. They get like this stun gas bomb, whatever. And, uh, Joel finds out from Marlene that they think they have the cure, but it's in Ellie's brain, which means she has to die for them to be able to get, you know, a cure made and she made the decision that it's going to happen. And so she has Joel escorted out. Um, and Joel, Joel tries to have him escorted out. <laughs> nice try. Okay. Joel freaking blitzes through. You're just seeing dead bodies left and right. Some people are like, please. No, he's, he's just bam, 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 bam. Dead gets to Ellie, sees the doctor. Hell no. Put that scalpel down, shoots him in the head. The nurses are like, no, no, no grabs her gets out marlene's like "Uh uh-uh 
you like try to really give the evil monologue of like, you're going to save everyone. Is it worth, you know, one life for everyone? And Joel's like, yup, kills her dead and lies to Ellie says, Hey, um, there's lots of people who are immune. They have no cure. And the Raiders came. Ellie's suspicious. She knows, she knows Joel's antics up to this point. Am I doing a good recap here? Joel's like, she's like, tell me everything you said was true. And she knows. And Joel's like, yep. Yep. No lies here. (laughs) That's the, and and Ellie's like, yeah. Okay. And, and you interpret it the way you interpret it. Obviously I know what happens in the second game, but um, a lot of stuff happened. Just a quick thing. Anna is played by Ashley Johnson, who is the voice of Ellie. Also, she's on critical role for all you D and D nerds. Um, also one of the nurses is played by Laura Bailey, Mm -hmm. who plays a really big character in the second game. She's also on critical role. Um, (laughs) a lot of love there for D and D. Um, phenomenal. I mean, how cool to have the creator of Ellie and, and I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but it's not just voice acting in a booth. Like it's it's the motion. So when they're playing Ellie and Joel in the game, they're in the suit with the dots and, and that's how they get their general yeah, facial features. That's their, so yeah. Ashley's giving the facial. She's when she's crawling and moving and Joel's wording moving, on that. That's them Kayla. doing it. Like, you know. Oh yeah, yeah okay. Uh, you, my hands are moving all over in crazy <laughs> movements here. Maybe we'll do a clip, but um so that's just I mean they they really were those characters. They acted like a movie. You know, you just didn't see it. So great stuff. There was so much in this episode. I really I kind of feel like the last two episodes were a little rushed. I think they could have had one more and spread it out a little bit more personally, but you know, they, they do what they do on, on HBO to try to keep it a contained story, but there are so many highs and lows in this final episode. We have Ellie is just downtrodden. Like she is, she's beat down from probably, you know, murdering people and having to deal with that and almost being raped and put in a cage, not ideal situations to go through. And Joel has flipped the switch entirely where he's trying to be dad of the year. He's like, hey, uh, let's play, uh, what was the game he picked up? Um, Boggle? Boggle, Boggle. Boggle. I'm going to take this big ass box and put it in my pack that takes up so much room. Oh, hey, I'll teach you how to play play guitar. Oh, you remind me of my daughter. Oh, what about this? What about this? And she is just stone faced like she can't focus because everything she's had to go through. But then you get the switch where she sees the giraffe, right? Which is such a cute, touching moment. Oh, you want to you want to chime in here? I teared up and I'm <laughs> going to tell you why. In the game, that's exactly what happens in the game. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, Joel's trying to cheer up Ellie and Ellie just like drops the ladder like in the show and runs up and you're like, oh my God, Ellie, we just survived winter. Where are you going? And the game allows you, like, the music that plays in that scene is the music from the game. And in the game, you've you just been through war. You're like, God, we are, we got to find these fireflies and get the hell out of here. And you get to, like, as an action, you get to just, like, lean on the balcony with Ellie and watch the drafts. And I remember playing it for the first time and getting this one moment, this one sweet moment or I'm not killing something or fighting for my life. And I just like let Joel and Ellie like wash the giraffe for a minute because I'm like, I think this is the only happy moment you're going to get. And I felt like I was leaning into that beauty moment of like, look at nature still surviving beyond us, you know? And 
I just love that scene. It was so moving. It it really was, and it was so well played by Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal there. She reverts back to a child, and it, it's that uh, it's that wonder and innocence that she hasn't really shown recently to Joel. So he's just taking the leaves off and handing them to her. It's like he's basically like, "I'm taking my daughter to the zoo," and she is so enamored right now. Like this is amazing. And you know, once something that nice and positive happens, eventually it's going to come crashing down in the episode. But before we get there, we have just the most heart-wrenching part of the entire show so far, where Joel tells Ellie, basically, I tried to commit suicide, but I missed. Like that scar I have, I, I screwed up, my hand shook. He's being very vulnerable with her for really the first first time. And then... She goes, well, I know why you're telling me this. Time heals all wounds, I guess. And his response, it wasn't time that did it. And the facial expression that Pedro Pascal gives there for Joel, it speaks so many lines of dialogue of, you know exactly what I mean when I'm saying this. I He, he was like a broken man in that moment. And you can see that Ellie is picking up exactly what he's trying to say with his face. It was just so perfectly acted there. Justin, thank you so much. Yes, I really have. I, that's exactly what I feel. I don't, I don't have much to add to that. It, it, to me, that was Ellie. That was Bella Ramsey, too. Just because there's a pause where he says that he stares at her with such awe and love. And she's almost like confused. She's like, okay, go on. And then she realizes like, He's saying, I love you. And she's so, it just makes, makes her pause. Like she doesn't, she gets choked up yep. and then they, you know, they, they refer back to their, their sarcasm and like, let's get going. But it just, do you feel like the trajectory of Ellie and Joel at the beginning to now through the episodes? Like, do you feel like that was well-earned? Like, do you think, you know, it was well-paced, it makes sense? Or did you feel like, and eh, they, they kind of jumped pretty quick to, you know, being family? I think it was pretty well-paced throughout. I'm glad it wasn't, you know, an immediate episode two or three. We really wait until the season finale to have that full transformation. And then it kind of just gets tilted on its head by the end of the episode anyway, which must be why this is such a great game and why everybody's so excited for this TV show because the complexity of they basically just told each other they love them and they're going to be there for each other no matter what. And then you have the end of the episode where it's like, well, now Joel has lied to Ellie. She knows it. And the one thing that they've been saying is basically like, don't lie to me. Let's be honest with each other. And that's what he does. And I think that's almost like the worst thing he could have did there at the end. Like if you're going to kill all those dudes, which fine and honestly i appreciate the the realistic like quick nature of the killing where he's not like all right i'm gonna spare your life oh okay i'll give you a minute he's like i don't have time for this she could be under the scalpel right now boom dead 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 i don't care i'm not asking questions i'm not taking names we're just getting her the hell out of here and if i leave anybody alive they're gonna start coming for her because they know she could be the cure i can't risk that Killing the doctor is kind of a bold strategy. You may need doctors in the uh, the apocalypse, but it's just if he went to her after and said, hey, I'm sorry. I I know you really wanted to save humanity. You had this goal, but they were going to kill you. 
and I I just couldn't watch that happen. So I freaking murdered everybody and saved you. She would have been pissed because what she mentions earlier in the episode is I'll go anywhere you go. I'll go anywhere with you. Basically like, hey, you're my father now is is kind of the vibe it gave off. But we need to complete this task first. I need to do everything in my power to try to be the cure, try to save humanity here, be the hero, and then we can do whatever it is you want. So you have that situation where if she had the choice, which Marlene didn't give her, it leads you to believe she would have said, yes, do it. One life's not worth millions. But that's different for Joel. Joel is finally has somebody in his life he cares about for the first time really in 20 years. And he's not about to lose that again. So it's just such a complex kind of web of emotions like do you save yourself? It's it's the, what is it? The train or the trolley problem, trolley. right? Do you save one person over a dozen people if you know the one? And it's so, so complicated and everybody has different views, but, you know, screw it. I'm team Joel. <laughs> people, I mean, people always think it's better to save more people than one, like you're saving more. But what they don't add to the trolley problem is what if you know the one person? And more often than not, I mean, again, I'd I'd have to do a poll across the world, but if someone knows that one, that one life has more value as, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's a hard concept to wrap your head in. And the show is, the show in the game is trying to do that for you. I mean, mistakenly the fireflies and Marlene went really wrong by taking the choice out of Ellie, you know, her not having the agency to say, this is what I want to do. And like you said, all roads lead to. Ellie saying, I, this is what I was meant to do. And, you know, for Joel, when he gets looking at his past and the things he did to survive in the apocalypse, he's not sitting there in a regret. It's what he is. He tells Tommy it's, we did it to survive. He doesn't have those regrets whatsoever for Ellie. She's looking at it as how can I be redeemed for the things that I've done and for the people that I've lost, like Riley died. If she's being told you could die for the cure, She's looking in terms of like Riley didn't die for nothing. Tess didn't die for nothing. My mom didn't die for nothing. Like, and so when she gets to the point where she suspects, you know, Joel's not so great lie. Um, she looks at him as like, we've been through so much. I trust you the most. I know something's not right. And I'm just asking you to, to tell me. And for Joel, he knows, he knows what, Allie would have wanted so at the same time he took the agency from her by not giving her a choice and he's he you could say he's just as bad if not worse because it can't it can't be undone yeah Um, but for for him like this cure is going to save humanity he's been around for 20 years he sees what people are are they worth saving it's these people that are cannibals that are killing people for no good reason that that try to make Ellie a child bride. And like, there's just people have gone such a far way from where they were before everything shit hit the fan. So are they worth saving? Who knows? Maybe humanity turns back to what it was before the outbreak, but he knows for a fact that Ellie is worth saving. He doesn't know that humanity can be redeemed at this point. So I see where he's coming from. I see where she's coming from. And then Marlene, at least give her the agency. You told her mother you'd protect her, right? So 
she is going back on she's she's in that same conflict that Joel is and she chooses saving humanity Joel chooses saving Ellie so it's that yes. duty versus versus honor situation absolutely you know? I mean you could do you, you know Marlene's choices what did she do and for Joel he didn't go through what he went through to lose Ellie Ellie is whether they're in Jackson or they're on the road he's happy because he is Ellie he worked all his emotion is centered on Ellie no one else he's fit he's focused on Ellie and he knows and and this is just me looking at it from this one season this one game he knows what would happen if he told the truth and he won't lose Ellie whether that's physically and whether that's 100% ruining the relationship and that's why he lies that's that's why he doesn't go well, this is actually what happened and hope for forgiveness because it, it pains him too much to think about Ellie not being with him, turning on him because he knows to Ellie that could be, we don't know, an unforgivable as something that I would have done this and you took it away from me and I don't forgive you for that, you know? We yeah. Don't know. Yeah, that's a, a fair point. And I think you have to ask each other this question and we're going to do it right on the podcast. What would you have done? If you were Joel, I am a hundred percent save Ellie and kill so, everybody and get out of there. So when I first played this game, you know, they, you have to kill the doctor. There's no way around. You can't scare the doctor. Now you, there are two nurses. there are scared. You don't have to kill them. I was so mad that they took Ellie. I was, I'm telling <laughs> you, everyone got a headshot. Everyone is getting multiple rounds. When I saw the doctor and the nurses, I went with the assault gun. Pew, 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 pew. I was the worst version of myself. Great. I grabbed Ellie and I'm like, we're getting out of here. I mean, it was rough. Then second, third, eighth time I played the game, you know, maybe I spare a nurse or two. Um, but it, you know, you have no choice. You have to, you have to kill the doctor. And so I have to save Ellie. I have to save Ellie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the cure, but man, like, Maybe the earth deserved it. I don't know. I can't let Ellie die. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I am with you. And the storytelling is so great because of that complexity of what would you do if you were put in that situation that it sets up perfectly for a season two and beyond. Because now they are safe, theoretically, going back to Jackson. But their relationship that they went through the whole season of building and building that level of trust seems like it's been not i wouldn't say shattered but by the end of the final episode it's definitely been fractured a bit because ellie knows he's lying he knows that ellie knows he's lying but they're both kind of keeping on this face with how the episode ends of let's just kind of not mention it and move on for now yeah i mean ellie could be like maybe he's lying about marlene or maybe he's lying about she doesn't know at what point a lie or maybe she just She's missing. She doesn't know. At this point, she's like, okay. She's like, at this point, it, okay, I take you at your word. Let's let's see where this life takes us. Um, you know, this show was just so well done. I mean, in terms of HBO shows, and, and I'm not talking the gauntlet. I'm just talking about the recent ones. Is this pretty high for you? I mean, we have some returning shows coming up, but is this high or is this like bottom of the 10? HBO. Is House of the Dragon over this? HBO always has quality, right? That's their thing. So There's good. just great shows no matter what. I honestly did a quick list before we got on the pod here. I have succession number one right now of shows on HBO. I think I have Last of Us number two. And then 
and then kind of House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, I think, is going to get better. But season one, I couldn't put it above, above Last of Us. Last of Us was such a great season from beginning to end. There's a couple things we quabble with here or there, but altogether, it was a phenomenal season of television. I totally agree. I think House of the Dragon is going to be hurt by kind of the time between seasons as it kind of fades in the HBO Rolodex, um, you know, for sure. But I just think the show, you know, we've talked about it a lot and I just think it's going to happen next year or maybe early the following year. We're, we're going to be getting it, you know, as we look into the second season, no spoilers. I will say there are a few Easter eggs this season that are from the second game. So that was a nice surprise for people that knew. Um, the only things I'll really say about part two, the second game, and there's only two, two gamers right now, um, is that there's a time, there's a time jump. And I'll say that because they've been talking about it, the creators, I won't say how long it is. And if they're even going to do that, because they've been talking different things, it's a lot darker, a lot darker, and it's a controversial game. People had mixed feelings on it. So I'm really intrigued at how they're going to take the second season, because in theory, this could be a redo option. Um, but I, I think they're going to stick to the story. They're they're holding on to they made the best story that they wanted for these characters. Um, I'm a big fan of part two. I love playing it. It's way more expansive. And the second season is also being talked about having a third season, which mm-hmm. would give you more time with the characters that you don't get in the second game, more of a middle period in the time jump. So to me, that's super exciting. I don't really know pre things that happen with these characters so i'm so looking forward to it um, if i started the game today game one (sighs) like maybe i haven't played my uh i think i playstation 4 so i'm even i'm not up on the all updated stuff here if i was like screw it i'm buying the first game today and playing it how long would it take me to get through the game it would take you a few days i think that's it and that's playing hours of the game um, I, I, when I started playing it, I couldn't put it down. It was a summer of craziness. Um, but I, I, you know, it's hard because I don't know how, how you, how fast you go through games. You said it's been a while. I feel like you play I more mostly sports play, games. I mostly play sports games. I don't do a lot of uh, first person shooter type games. So I'm sure I'd be all over the place. I'm sure I'd be terrible. Well, this is third person. So that, at least oh, you that get helps. a little, I, I prefer third person. So that's a plus for me for this game. Um, please. All I ask Justin is that you just let me be there at the beginning because I love this game. I would love to see how you aim your weapon and get mauled by clickers. Please. Oh, please. I, I won't die the entire time. I'll just run through easily. Oh, and, oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. I, yeah, I can't wait. So, um, that's it. I think that kind of wraps up our last of us talk. Let us know what you thought about the show and our recaps and let's get right into the Mandalorian. Do, 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 do. All right, so we have one through three episodes of The Mandalorian that have dropped. Justin, it's been a while since we've been with Pedro Pascal, not literally the same day. Um, What did you think about these first three episodes? Uh, Subpar. So I just, I was a little disappointed. It lost a little bit of its shine to me. And we can get into what may have impacted that in a second, but the story doesn't seem as cohesive and interesting. It's, it's not as singularly focused as the first two seasons. It's, it doesn't really have that Western feel anymore. 
I thought visually and like special effects wise, it did not look as good. It looked a little sloppy to me. And I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more out of the first three episodes. What about you? Okay, so let me just say Grogu gets 10 out of the 10 no matter what he does. All he has to do is coo and raise his hand and I'm sold. All right. You know, I'm sick of this and I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. Justin, can, whatever. Grogu, don't say it. Oh, no. Grogu is overrated. This is bullshit. Yeah, he's well, a cute. Well, folks, it's been, it's been real. Bye. He's a cute little green thing. He's overrated. All right. Let's get up. Everybody just bows at the altar of Grogu. What's he do? Yeah, he's cute. How about you be more useful, dude? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who He got into the uh, ship and saved Pedro Pascal. Why don't you lift a finger? Why don't you pull them out of there with your force powers? Maybe you should have stayed with Luke a little longer. And I hate Luke. So, Grogu, that's it. That's all I have to say. They only brought him back because everybody freaking loves him. And he doesn't even need to be in this portion of the show. Get out of here, Grogu. Uh, I I, I, I'm at a loss for words uh, other than all your words were wrong. Um, oh my God. Okay. This is where we get canceled for the anti Kroku thoughts here. Um, okay. I'm just going to pretend I blacked out on that rant there. Um, I'm completely with you. Otherwise episode one, I go, what happened? Nothing happened. This is utterly dull. I will say I I'm enjoying Bo-Katan as the duo with, him like i think she's really interesting and she has an edge of like she's totally helping him but i can totally see her betraying him at any minute so like what's her real it's weird you know? like right she's she's kind of a villain at points but she's also kind of helping him at points so it just, she's gonna turn on him at some point for sure a hundred percent it's like Okay, I, I just don't get why we, like, get things and get them taken away really quick. Like, oh, she has to introduce that everyone left her and they're on their own missions. Okay, that was, like, a two-second explanation of why she's alone. Then the next episode, they blow up her entire throne. So I'm like, I, I just is like, what? You're just like, as they say in storytelling, like, show, don't tell. And I just feel like they're just wrapping up stuff i appreciate them like explaining cara dune um it's like oh she got recruited for special forces and not like yeah she totally said some crazy shit on twitter <laughs> and now she's not on the show so that was funny to me um but i'm just we will talk about what the effect might be shadow lingering over the show but i just i'm kind of watching it to watch it so far same. because i don't it's not hitting the same way and i don't know whether that's just I, honestly, I think it's because the episodes themselves aren't interesting. I think it could be every episode he's doing a thing if it was interesting. And let me see this, because you talked about the quality of the show. It's giving me Willy Wonka. In the third episode, when they're like on the planet and they're like, look at this Zipharadoo, and they're <laughs> having the glowing popsicles, and she's like, let me buy you a Zemin blah blah pop. And it's like, it just give me that, that Willy Wonka, the like snozberries. Like, it's like, we can show you that they have cool thing, alien things. And it looks, it doesn't look good. Like visually it looks fake and like not cool. And like, they're just saying words. And I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I want to love it, but it's I a know. struggle. And I think it's because we have reached peak show of andor we've yep. been in the grit we've been in the they're not showing the fizzle pops in this Andor's fighting for his life in prison i mean he andor is shadowing the show and to me 
it doesn't compare. I, I can't yeah. find it anymore in Mandalorian when I have Andor season two I'm thinking about, which was amazing. Season one was amazing. And the thing is, like, with the way the first three episodes went, and it does have time to turn it around, but the first episode of season three is kind of, they're explaining basically what happened in the Boba Fett show. So it's nothing really new happened there. The second episode, okay, he's going going to the mines. That was kind of interesting. The third episode, we're basically following Dr. Uh, Dr. What is it? Pershing? Pershing, who is a formal Imperial officer who created the cloning devices. And then this kind of, I thought was pretty interesting, this amnesty program where they pardon former Imperials for the New Republic. But like you said, it doesn't have that level of granularity like we had in Andor. It seems it seems much more, going back to what we said earlier, high level. It's just, it, it's like 30,000 foot and we're not getting into the weeds. And, and exactly. the third episode was... What would we get? Ten minutes of freaking uh, Mando and Bo-Katan, and yeah, it was and they're just oh. they're just rushing through. Like, okay, I would love to see an outcasted Mandalorian having to like maybe he's more free with the helmet because he feels like he doesn't deserve to wear it, or like he's trying to work with the Mandalorians but they they're attacking him. No, he go, finds the waters in episode two. He's forgiven in episode three. I'm like, where where are we going here? Like, and Bo-Katan <laughs> is part of like. Uh, this this version of the Mandalorians too, it seems now. Is she gonna become a believer of of the new way? Like what's happening here? Is she just trying to get more people on her side to get the Darksaber? She had the Darksaber in her hand at one point and she just gave it back. What's happening? Well, so did you see that? I guess they're saying that that monster in the water is like a mythosaur or something in Star Wars. Yep. And she looks at the skull of one in the shop. So the the whatever that person's called that like builds the things yeah the, there's a skull there and she looks at it and so i feel like she's she's using it to her advantage like she's she wants to know what that creature was or yeah Mandalore. Well, she kept saying like there's there's no creatures in the minds of mandalore mythosaurs are not a real thing they don't exist and then when she saves mando she goes eye to eye with it coming out and then after they get out, she goes, so did you see anything? And he's like, no. She's like, okay, yeah, me neither. Really, Mando? You're not going to question that? Like, come on. So I'm going to say something maybe controversial. The Mandalorian, I don't know if I'm rooting for you anymore. Because Bo, Bo, she's more interesting. I'm more interested in what she's doing. Let's spin off to her. Because when he's just like, this is the way I'm redeemed. I'm like, you know what? When she's sitting there looking at him, like you are the dullest Mandalorian I've ever sat next to. I'm sitting there going, he is the dullest Mandalorian. I'm like, he's just, he, he comes out so lame right now. It's, I mean, what do you think? Now I'm not going to say I'm rooting against the Mandalorian. How dare you? Like Din Djarin is the man, but I just, yeah, he's been pretty lame so far in the first three episodes. I don't know where this is going. The only thing that gives me hope is there were a ton of TIE fighters that came after them that they noted, oh, that's too many for it to be these warlords that Bo-Katan screwed over. So there's got to be some type of connection here we're not seeing yet, but I'm getting nervous they're going to try to be more like Andor and they're going to fail which is what's happening they, so far they can't do it another thing they dropped oh we really i really need this robot this particular robot to be fixed for me to get to mandalore 
Oh, we can't fix it. Here's this super scared droid. Okay. Yeah, and then just carry on. No big deal. What again? What is the point of? I don't understand why you're showing us twelve things and and doing one thing. I just don't. Now I I have a question for you from the third episode. We have uh, we have good old Doc there who gets set up to basically get his mind wiped or whatever. But we're the New Republic. We're not the Empire. We would never wipe your entire mind. Just give you a little zapping here. So. He kept talking about the cloning and everything. Do you think this cloning talk is going to end up being like a retcon for Palpatine returning in the recent trilogy or something else? I heard that you mentioned know, on another pod and I was like, huh. I, I wonder if they're trying to retcon that, it. But I mean, I'm like, okay, she was with him. And I was like, okay, he what he knows can't be understood because she just basically erased his mind. I don't know how she explains that in the end. Like, whoopsies. Um you know, um, turn the dial to 15. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting theory. Again, we, we spent so long with him and like what he wanted to do that. It can't be for nothing. I guess maybe this, maybe the Mandalorian season three is a retcon for the new Republic and what's to come, but that's kind of lame. Yeah. Maybe you would think after three episodes, we'd have a good idea of the direction the season's going. But right now, there's only been really one full-on Mandalorian episode. And it was the second episode, and I'm pretty sure that was only 30 minutes. Like, it was a pretty short episode from what I recall. So we'll see when they release these next. Is it supposed to be 10 episodes this season? Did they announce that? Yeah, it's. I think it's 10, I want to yeah. say. So I think that's what we're looking ahead. I just, I mean, it, it's a problem many times in shows. What happens when characters have one goal in a show, several seasons happen, and they complete it? Like, how do you keep doing the show afterwards? And I just, maybe by the time we get to episode 9 or episode 10, we will see it and we'll be like, everything made sense. But I'm just going to say three episodes in, I'm just not seeing the bigger picture. And they still have all these other Star Wars shows coming. We still have Ahsoka. We still have these these other parts of, of the IP that are going to be coming out here. And I, I don't know if they're trying to be too Marvel-like and tie everything together or not. Or if they are trying to keep it isolated. Because I like Andor being its own freaking thing. I don't watch anybody yes, leave it alone. screwing with Andor. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. So, Justin, have you seen Ant-Man yet? No. And I, I think that lets us know that if they're following the Marvel path, um, it's not going to be good <laughs> is all I'm going to say. Wow. Yeah. All right, Mando. We'll see what you do. Grogu. Sorry, Justin hates your guts, but we'll see. <laughs> I did not say I hated Grogu's guts. I said he was overrated. Oh, God. I mean, it's the same thing to me when you, when you say I, I, I didn't hear any difference in your sentence there. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, Caleb. <laughs> all right. All right, so that finishes up for Mando, uh, for right now at least. Let's get to our Swirly of the Week. All right, so my Swirly of the Week is going to be an article that I read that at first I was like, oh, this guy, what a loser. And then I go, no, I agree with him. So a Chicago man is suing Buffalo Wild Wings over their boneless wings that he claims are just chicken nuggets. 100% right. He's right. The plaintiff said in his complaint, the chain's wings are not wings at all. Instead, slices of chicken breast meat deep fried like wings. Indeed, the products are more akin in composition to a chicken nugget rather than a chicken wing. I completely agree with this man. Nothing 
Listen, I like a boneless wing. I'm not afraid to say it here on the podcast, okay? I hate when I order wings that are the same cost as actual wings sometimes, and I get these little tiny Tyson-looking nuggets. What I want are some tenders caked in sauce. And when I get these little nuggets, I go, you have got to be kidding me. And they all say boneless wings, so you never know what you're going to get. I'm with this man. Sue him for everything they got. I I agree with you, Kayla. If they say boneless wings, they need to be tender size. That's what needs to happen. They cannot be like the size of a freaking tater tot that you're eating, which is what these turn into. So 100% yeah. in agreement. So swirly for those that just can't commit to the tenders. You sell them. Why can't you make them your boneless <laughs> wings? Make it make sense. Your turn. Okay. So my swirly of the week is... Silicon Valley Bank. I'm sure everybody's heard of the uprising here. This is the uh, country's 16th largest bank. It has a a lot of funds for startups and venture capital firms that are over in the Silicon Valley area. And last week, word started spreading that they may have a balance sheet issue. They may need to raise some more money. And then we had a good old-fashioned bank run. All these venture capital firms and tech companies withdrew their money out of concerns that it could be in danger. And when you do that, you then put it in danger for everybody else. So $42 billion was withdrawn from this bank in a single day. So they officially failed and the government seized it and has since guaranteed all the funds to customers in the bank, but not to... uh, not bailing out the bank. So a lot of people get kind of bail out. They get confused like, oh, the government's just bailing out the bank. What the hell? No, the government was just guaranteeing the funds of customers in the bank, but they are not guaranteeing everything else that was associated with the bank, all their way too risky investments that they made. I just, I've been following the story and it's just so interesting to me because it's such a large bank. And I don't know if you know typically how these operate, but Basically, banks take take in money from the customer short term, and then they invest it long term. So long term bonds that pay out a small percentage, but they do not have all the cash on hand pretty much ever to pay out customers if everybody comes asking for their money at once. But that never happens or rarely happens, right? So with the interest rates that have been rising over the year, their long-term investments have started to lose money. So they are even less liquid than they were before. So when the $42 billion came and got withdrawn out, they didn't have enough money to cover everybody else's uh, funds in there. So just a super interesting thing that's happened. You don't see a lot of bank runs like, uh, like you did in the olden days. What's the, the famous movie that's got the bank run where everybody's lined up outside. It's, old uh, 40s movie there. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life. There you go, Kayla, where there's the famous bank run. And I've actually seen photos of people trying to get into the bank and like lined up outside, which was pretty funny because the the FDIC only guarantees up to $250,000. So the government has to help out here. It really fuels the people that are say we hate banks and put their money under the mattress. You know, those people are really reading these articles like, see, we told you. But the government is covering the deposits so that there is not widespread panic and causing the collapse of multiple other banks. 
Now, since I'm sure everybody's still listening to my fascinating bank talk here, go back even farther. 2008 financial crisis, they created the Dodd-Frank Act. The Dodd-Frank Act was basically for these really large banks, we need to have extra regulations in place to prevent this exact thing from happening. However, in 2018 under Donald Trump, the Dodd-Frank Act was rolled back a little bit. So they decre- or they increased the size of the threshold for a bank to be considered a big bank, a large bank. And due to that regulation, Silicon Valley Bank, aka SVB, is now considered a medium-sized bank, not a large bank. So they did not have to meet the same regulations and pass the same stress tests, which theoretically would have caught any of the issues that they have and would have prevented this from happening. That just is crazy to me that something that he did while in office has snowballed into horrible effects. So that's wild <laughs> to me. Hard to believe. Um, wow. Well, a lot of, yeah, a lot know, of banks were lobbying, lobbying for that to get rolled back too, but it is just. <laughs> oh, sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the banks, the banks love it too. I mean, I do find it interesting that I think a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind. You think of the banks, like you put your money in the ATM and the money just is in this special pile with your name on it. You don't really think about how the bank takes that money and dishes it out elsewhere. I mean, otherwise it would just be like a safety deposit, you know, it would just be like a lock locker room. Basically, That's how banks, banks make be. money. They take your right, money. Right. Otherwise like, yeah. yeah, it's just a locker room of cash. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been reading some stuff on it. It's pretty amusing. I mean, anytime you see Silicon Valley, you're like, oh, God, what's this article going to be? Um, well, yeah, it's yikes. just there's a, obviously, like I said, a lot of startups and tech companies that could be impacted. And I've seen some people pushing back saying, screw it. They should only be covered for the 250000 I don't agree with that. If you put your money, you deposited your money in the bank, I think it it should be guaranteed in this situation. But all the extra bonuses and all the investments that the bank made they're screwed and those people are screwed. But if you were just a regular old, it, it could have been me over there. Oh, I have 10 grand in Silicon Valley bank. Okay, cool. Can I get access to my money? No, it's frozen out for a week. Wait, what the hell do you mean? So that's why it, it's great. I only had $20 in Silicon Valley. <laughs> there you, you know, go. No must, no fuss, you know? <laughs> and the, the United States is the reserve currency for the world, the US dollar. So they have a little bit more leeway to help in these types of situations because we basically can print cash. It dilutes everything else. You know, we're not going to get, Never mind. I'm talking too much about banks. I'm stop me, Kayla. All right. Hold on. I just had to pitch myself awake there. Um, so that was Justin's financial corner. Um, next he'll talk about big pharma. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's get to our friendship question of the week, which, you know, I just want to do a best friend check-in, you know, I, I don't want to know how you'll do the zombie apocalypse. We already talked about that. What, what's some present worries on your mind, friend? It's just me and you and like our entire audience. What, what's, what, what's your present worries? I guess that you might want to share. Why? Hi, Kayla. Thanks for Ooh, NPR voice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This, this is when Justin shares a worry, he turns into NPR voice like, hey, Kayla. I'm laying down on a couch now, eyes closed, <laughs> just talking about all my concerns. I got my notepad. My, my hands are folded. <laughs> yeah. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, what are my concerns right now, Kayla? Um, besides, what's just, what's you know, on your mind? What's some worries? Yeah. All of Maybe you're not worried at all. Apart. I doubt it. Well, oh, yeah. we have a baby on the way, the wifey and I. So uh, June 18th is the current due date. So my biggest worry is making sure we are prepared for the birth of our child, having the house set up and properly baby proofed and everything. And my wife is looking to start an at-home daycare potentially. 
So there's a lot of kind of coordination that needs to go with that and stuff around the house that if you know my wife, she's not the biggest fan of planning things in advance and doing the paperwork. ADHD brain. It happens. So I like to help her out, but she doesn't like the way I operate, which is very go, 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 get shit done. Polar opposites. And we're trying to come to a middle ground here where we can get a nursery set up, get the doom room fixed, uh, set up an area for a potential daycare, move my office upstairs and get um, our dogs trained so they don't try to uh, murder a child. All in the next three months, Kayla. So that is where my high level of stress is and work has been beyond crazy, like 50 plus hours a week, every single week. You know, some of those worries are, you know, the priority listing probably evolves every other day. Um, And listen, Chit is a late person, but you can't assume the baby's going to be late too. You have to assume that baby might be just in time (laughs) early. Great. So you guys definitely, but listen, as your best friend, I'm really good at putting things together. So just let me know. Um, I'll make sure your baby doesn't fall through the crib that I built because that's what super glue is for. So we'll be fine. Super glue and duct tape. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll make it. You know, babies, they can take a lot, you know, not not the first few weeks, but eventually heads just rock hard, you know. They're very Um, malleable. You can just like, they could fall downstairs. They'll be fine. They'll be fine, you know. And you know what? It'll it'll just be a story you tell later of why they can't do certain things, you know. (laughs) That's why they're lazy. I dropped them off the bed, you know. Anywho, you won't do that, though. Your baby's going to be fine. (laughs) Baby Chiro will be be rocking it out. Um, Yeah, those are some, those are some big worries, but. I'd say you have a ton of time, but you don't. So um, I'm here to support you in whatever way you need. Why? Thank you, Kayla. I have, uh, in order to get me off of her back for the doom room, my wife has given me the task of getting one of the closets kind of set up for the nursery. So I have already obviously purchased things and have a plan on that. So I'm going to just like rip that apart sometime in the next week or so just to to feel productive. I need to feel to like I'm moving yes. forward. You know what I mean? I totally get it. You need something on your list. You need to cross it off. Yep. So I get it. You got a lot of moving parts. So good luck to you on that. So Oof. what are you worried about here, Kayla? You know, I, I am a bit of a worrier, so it's hard to <laughs> narrow it down. But I think right now I, you know, got a recent promotion, some new big responsibilities in my Bravo, company. Kayla. Thank you. So I'm kind of in the midst of one leaving one position, taking on another, a new person starting that I have to teach things I've been doing for years and have to go like how to, you know, like explaining to someone is difficult on top of that, moving offices and the person, the office I'm taking their furniture and their new office isn't coming yet. So I might have to share an office for a bit. And if you know Mm. me, I'm like, just need a plan. And right now everything's day to day. Like maybe it'll be this day. Maybe not. Maybe keep your office, move office, share offices. It's stressing me out every day. The new person starting in April and I'm just feeling like, uh, I got to do a to-do list of how to teach them. I'm packing my things in my office. I, I'm sure you can imagine. I have a lot of things in my office. That's what, <laughs> so it's, it's stressful. Work is now like stressful. I'm going into my office, like, good God, what do I do first? So, you know, that that's kind of it. I come home and then I'm just like this on the screen or, you know, cycling a little bit that I find that has been a bit of a stress reliever. Mo money, mo problems, Kayla. It's so, you wise know, wise words. <laughs> Look at that best friend. We just know it. So you're cycling you know. now too. So we're, we're going to get uh, Kayla's cycling thoughts, my Peloton cycling thoughts. There we go. 
Yeah, I'm not as bougie for the Peloton, but the Echelon thoughts, the Echelon earful, I don't know. I'll, I'll work on some sort of tagline yeah. there for that. They're all the same um, thing. It's just uh, cycling bikes. Yeah, yeah it's cycling <laughs> bikes because I can't ride a real bike. Anywho, maybe this summer. We'll oh, see. I forgot about that, Kayla. <laughs> Are you trying to learn how to ride a normal bike? Do we need to go out with some uh, training wheels? Maybe I'll just get my legs used to that perpetual motion and maybe I'll feel more safe um, actually on a physical bike, but don't hold your breath. Um, on that note, on Worry <laughs> Corner, um, I think that cinches up for us this week. Great to talk about these shows. We'll talk about some more Mandalorian later on. And of course, we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.